Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2. You're fighting the wrong battle, brother. You're limited. So what does that make you? A Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is CT0831, but you can call me Hugs. And this is our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch, Season 2, Episode 7, titled The Clone Conspiracy, and Episode 8, titled Truth and Consequences. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we're caught in our own clone conspiracy, let me introduce you to the experimental crew of ragtag troopers. Joining me, uh, first up, dropping in from the sky, way up. Hi, we've got the dopest, <laughs> dankest dude on Dagobah, CT-1006, but you can call him Joints. Ahoy, uh, hoy. Ahoy hoy. It's ahoy hoy after these episodes. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. <laughs> we go a bit darker in this week. In these right. It's episodes. more needed than ever right now. Just because yeah. it was there we, so, go. we went to such a dark place. The lightness. We need to bring it back to our lives. The galaxy the needs does. ahoy hoy. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Uh, and listen, rounding out our small battalion, we are so glad to have a true friend and war hero joining us. Uh, and I'm just happy that she's. She's not, you know, crying her eyeballs out. Oh, no, wait, she actually is. Uh, her name is CT0118, but you can call her Brushstroke. We could change my name from Brushstroke to, like, Tears or something because I to can't tears. stop but, I mean, that was crying. My, <laughs> that was my name for the longest time on this podcast, but no, absolutely. Um, you know, we got two episodes this week. A really nice treat in terms of how Disney is doing these releases. This is the second time of three times this season uh, that we're going to get like a double drop. So we're going to, for the finale, they're also going to do the two final episodes out on the same day at the end of March. Uh, So looking forward to that. But um, yeah, this one, this one, uh, this one hits. Uh, This one hits quite a bit. So listen, we've got two episodes to get through uh, before we get assassinated for knowing too much. Let's get to this double drop of episodes. Too soon, too soon. So we start with an episode. (laughs) (laughs) So we start with this episode with a conversation between two clone pilots that flew Rampart's Venator and helped destroy Topoka City and the rest of Kamino. Both of them feeling the immense guilt that comes along with destroying and murdering thousands of Kaminoans and their fellow clones. They argue if they can keep up the facade. Cade tells the other one, whose name is Slip, that he can't stay silent any longer, and that he sent a message to Rampart, giving him the opportunity to tell the Senate the truth before he does it himself. Cade and Slip leave the clone-filled bar, and Slip tries to tell Cade to, to stop, but just as Cade asks for his help, he's shot and killed by an assassin in the distance. Slip manages to steal a speeder and slip away. Let's get it. Slip away. Uh, (laughs) Other clones run to Cade's body and secure the perimeter, causing the assassin to leave. So let's let's take a a brief uh, pause here. Moment of silence uh, for for Cade here. Uh, What did you think of this look at these two characters who we actually did see in the finale 
for season one, uh, but now we get to sort of learn a little bit more about them. I think it's really cool that we're getting to see these uh, these clones who who are waking up, so to speak, to the, the the horrors that they've caused at the hands of the Empire and realizing that they've had enough. It's it's really interesting because we've never really seen this before. Like we've seen some clones, of course, the Bad Batch say no, we don't want to go through Authority sixty six, but we haven't seen really the fallout of clones who did go through with that order and then went on to do even more atrocities. So it's it's a really interesting uh, insight into that you know mindset of a clone. So I, I love this little start off. Again, really sets the, the, the stakes high and takes us right to a darker place off the get-go. So again, that's what we like from this series. We'll go fun one episode and then right back to a dark place the next one. So really cool. Absolutely. One of the things I love about the Clone Wars series and it's one of the reasons Nate actually you introduced the series to me and said this is why you're gonna love it we get an insight into the clones as people not just Mm. expendable soldiers and the start of this episode gives us that vibe again we get to see the inner workings of the way they're thinking and realizing that it's not just following orders like they destroyed their own home and that means something to them. So I love that they're going back to that and giving these these human beings, these people hearts. Like they're they're not droids. They're not just, you know, a soldier that does what they're supposed to do and none of it means anything. Um, even continuing on in the episode, we'll we'll talk about more their rights as people. Yeah. Hmm. They're not just you know, throwaway characters. So I love that part about all of this. Well, they're not just droids, but they're also not just regs either. I think that's something that we've kind of gotten used to sort of saying and and the Bad Batch have called them regs because that's how they differentiate themselves from that overall group. But I think this episode really helps to prove to them and to some of our, you know, Bad Batch characters, one in particular, um, that these are not just regs. They are people who are are worth saving. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought it was so cool to get away from the Bad Batch entirely in this in this episode. you know, kind of we talked about in previous weeks of like, how do we sort of see different characters on screen? We didn't get in this first episode any of the Bad Batch uh, yeah. on screen. So it was just really cool to sort of see them completely dive away from them and get to focus on these two clones that, you know, they literally piloted the ship that destroyed Camino, And it just shows that these inhibitor chips, they're they're not fully functional then. Like they're starting to break down. And we talked about the fact that like we thought that other you know, cl- chips are breaking down in, in previous uh, in the previous season. So I just I wonder how many more clones we're going to start to see that happen with. Um, and uh, and I hope it's a lot. I hope there's a lot more that we can start to, you know, hope d- d- to draw in to kind of create because I think there's a, a throwaway line. It's a little bit later in the episode about insurgencies. And I'm wondering if that's what that's referring to is like these these clones kind of riling up. I think we saw it in the previous mm-hmm. season, right? Well, Didn't insur- we see that with one of them? Yeah, and insurgencies also just means like people that they're oppressing are rising up. So it could it could right. be clones helping these people or it could just be the, the people of these planets being like, you know what? No empire, we don't want you here because that's... Insurgency doesn't necessarily mean within their own ranks. It just means they're right. being opposed by something. Yeah, mm. it usually hints at the first signs of the rebellion. Which mm-hmm. I've noticed in Ooh. this series, previous series, yeah, and or <laughs> very cool, very cool, and or what? No, I'm just <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Amazing. As if that joke's never been made. Let's keep going here. Uh, so with this next scene, we get to George Lucas's favorite Star Wars location, the Galactic Senate Chamber. Uh, we learn that the galaxy believes that it was a storm that caused the cities of Camino to fall. And we see that the Senate is discussing a new bill proposed by Admiral Rampart to bring in his new conscripted military and to decommission the clone army. A new army comprised of the people for the people. Senator Pomlo states that this is a waste of time, and Senator Bail Organa agrees uh, and asks the emperor. To emperor, uh, he's like, "Where does the emperor stand? Uh, who's not there? He's not in attendance." Senator Chucci makes a claim for the preservation of the clones' well-being, demanded they be treated fairly. The motion is then granted to uh, to table the vote on the bill, uh, and then we learn in the next scene that Rampart is not really truly planning on providing any of the provisions to the clones, you know, whatever they need after their decommission. He's like, nah, it's not actually happening. Don't worry. Uh, so I think this is the first time we're really digging into how the greater galaxy sort of sees the clones, you know, beyond just our, our bad batch brothers here and beyond just like the Kaminoans um, and the empire. We're seeing sort of the entirety of the galaxy represented in, in this, uh, this Senate chamber. Um, you know, w what do you think about the kind of how they see the clones uh, in this episode? I find it so interesting to finally get a sense of the, the other planets, the other races, the other groups of people who have had help from the clones throughout the entire war. We get a lot of that mm -hmm. in the animated clones, Clone Wars series. Anybody who's just seen the movies, you don't really get a sense of that. They mention certain like battles of whatever planet they're on. But knowing that we watched Senator Chuchi and her people get help and protection from the clones in the Clone Wars series. So finding her standing up for them feels really rewarding. I like that mm -hmm. she does that. Also, I will say I immediately rated this episode the moment Senator Chuchi popped up. <laughs> I love <laughs> And I love yeah. a little bit of redesign that they're doing. You know, a lot of these characters mm -hmm. that show up in this episode weren't in the seventh season of The Clone Wars, which got that animation, like, reboot. So mm -hmm. seeing a little bit of redesign on her, a little bit of redesign on Masameda, it looks so mm -hmm. good. And I love mm -hmm. seeing these characters from earlier seasons in The Clone Wars in this animation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the most fascinating thing about this whole scene is that I was getting a lot of real world, you know, history um, vibes from it because with the great wars that happened in the past, when the soldiers would come back, they would be seen as second class citizens and they were, you know, jobless and, and going through all this post-traumatic stress stuff. So it's really cool to see Star Wars almost replicating that except using the clones and really humanizing them because that is something very real and important. And it was... It's, really, again, really cool that this is happening in an animated Star Wars show. And again, I think one of the coolest, more fascinating things about this scene in particular, too, is the fact that the last time we saw the Senate in terms of on TV would have been in Andor. And it, at that point, most of these podiums are empty and vacant and stuff like that because people have stopped fighting against the Empire and having these discussions. But we're still so early on that everyone is still, you know, thinking, oh, I do have a voice and I can speak up in this, you know, democracy if you will but even though it isn't ruled by the emperor so it's it's really cool to see the, the parallel between these two shows talking about politics and how by that point in time there really isn't much politics going on it's the emperor's way or the highway basically so i thought that was really really interesting well and it's interesting to to notice 
like who sees the clones as actual people versus how a lot of the Star Wars universe sees droids. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you'll notice the people who want the bill to move forward are clearly the senators that are profiting off this war, like the delegates of the banking clan. Uh, and they're clearly like super, you know, shady. Um, I've got a fun batch fact. Um, it's not a batch Ooh. fact that that will be revelatory for any of our Clone Wars uh, fans. It's just a fun thing to notice. And I was like, I think I recognize uh, Senator Chuchi's species. She's a Pantoran, uh, which is the same species. Speaking of the creator, George Lucas, um, George Lucas's character from Revenge of the Sith, Baron Papanoida, uh, he, he's a Pantoran. Uh, and in fact, he's actually in Clone Wars. Uh, Senator Chuchi was instrumental in saving Papanoida's daughters mm-hmm. who were kidnapped by Greedo. So it was just fun to see, uh, you know, see her again and, and sort of just, I don't know. I wrote down George Lucas and I was like, he's going to love Love this episode. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's going to love it. Um, So let's keep going here. After a rousing speech at the local clone bar, which can can we just address? They have clone bars and it's like for clones and they have their own bars. And it's just like, that's so cool. And apparently, you know, Twi'leks, they they digging on those clones. You know what I'm saying? I saw Twi'lek in there. She was like kind of trying to get hers. Um, but after a rousing speech at the local clone bar, Senator Chuchi wins the buy-in from a group of clones willing to work with her to get them what they need. After their conversation, Slip finds her and tells her about Admiral Rampart's attack on Kamino. He informs her that any and all clones who've tried to bring this information forward have been killed or gone missing. Later, Senator Chuchi meets with Bail Organa in secret, who informs her of the rise of insurgencies. She confides in him, telling him there's a clone who's claiming Rampart destroyed Kamino. Chuchi catches up to Slip eventually, who's waiting for someone to come to his aid, uh, who can apparently help him disappear. Just as she tells her to check, sorry, just as he tells her to check the backup log on the Admiral's ship, he's shot dead right in front of her. She runs and is pursued by the attacker who kills, uh, who kills both of her guards. Eventually, she runs into a shadowy figure who turns out to be another, none other than Captain Rex, uh, who manages Yay. to stun the assassin. Uh, and again, I think it's a neat note that he is, again, using stun blasts, kind of anticipating that this is, uh, you know, another fellow clone. They discover that the assassin is a clone, but he's not a trooper. And he doesn't even have a CT code. He tells Rex that he's fighting the wrong battle, and that makes him limited. Rex asks him what makes him, uh, what that makes him, and he responds by calling himself a believer. And that's where our episode ends. Uh, so let's stop there. <clears throat> what do you think this assassin means by saying he's a believer? Honestly, I have no idea. Maybe he <laughs> believes in what the Empire is doing yeah. or not, but this mystery that has been you know, proposed by this one single line has me so interested in the future of this season because what comes next is just such a great setup for a really cool story. And again, these, this, this episode was incredible. I yeah. just, I so many callbacks to Clone Wars and anything, just visuals, people, everything about it. I loved it. Yeah, you want a five out of five from Megan and Darcy? Put a Clone Wars character in your Bad Batch episode. That's all you got to <laughs> do, Dave Filoni. Pretty much. I think we found that out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. I loved... We, again, we talked about how in season one, we kept going back and forth. That You know, it feels a little childish, like they're aiming this episode towards kids and then other times not. This season is absolutely not that 
<laughs> right? There are fun moments, which are really great. Mm-hmm. But the darker moments are not few and far between. They are all over the place. And they're dark. When this mm-hmm. clone says, I'm a believer, and then bites that electrocuting oh. thing in his mouth and sizzles and dies oh. is so shocking. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like you said, I love a Clone Wars callback. They go to a garage oh. that is owned by a couple of Rex's friends. Mm-hmm. And Darcy and I both immediately knew when they were flying towards that giant tunnel to go to the lower levels and we saw the dock. That is Trace and Rafa's garage, which is yes. so awesome. I mm-hmm. love that they're not there. It's just like a, nope, they're my friends and they're if you, away If you right know, now. you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, if you know, you know, and that's all you need. It's so good. An interesting uh, little batch fact for you here. Um, the episode of Bad Batch uh, that they are in as well, because they're in Clone Wars. We were introduced to them yes, in Clone Wars. Yeah. But then they were in Bad Batch with like the the um, the zombie droids that were happening in, in the factory. <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Um, so interesting thing to note the episode that they were in in season one was titled decommissioned so i thought that was a really well-placed callback to their characters to sort of fit them in there um especially with the titling the title they're they're masters with the titles uh these writers really really fantastic i have a theory that i want to propose i'm not waiting until no theory waiting until the end of the episode i'm going to talk about it right now okay (laughs) check this out so With this clone working so so closely with Admiral Rampart, he must believe in whatever future he Admiral Rampart had planned, and uh, you know this was maybe it was a greater belief for what Palpatine had planned. Um, maybe the clone was made aware of Palpatine's plans to live forever because we learn that eventually cloning is important to the Empire again, but for the whole Snoke thing. Right. Like that's that was a very big aspect that they didn't really play too much on in in, Mm -hmm. you know, the sequel trilogy. But they definitely are, you know, kind of going there. And I'm just wondering, maybe he's a very, 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 very early member of the Sith Eternal, uh, which I know doesn't Mm. show up again until Rise of Skywalker. But Dave Filoni loves to fix, you know, prequel trilogy qualms that fans have and I'm wondering if we're getting the very very beginnings of a story that helped fans come to terms with the worst line of dialogue in Star Wars (laughs) which of course is somehow Palpatine returned I'm wondering if this is the very first seed of Dave Filoni planting a little tree to fix that line would this not be the second seed if you go so far as to say we did see that one Kaminoan taken to the facility at the end of the first season true okay and what if that was the beginning to set up this like you said this whole plan to create the sith eternal army that we see and potentially even palpatine future like his comeback i am so on board for that right? uh, that uh, theory i want it to be true so <laughs> i can't wait to finish the season now <laughs> uh, i'm just i'm just telling you i think that i really feel like in my heart of hearts that that's kind of the direction that they're going because again I just feel like Dave, he loves to fix this stuff and this is how mm. you fix it. And he's like, you know what, mm-hmm. uh, JJ and, and, you know, Ryan Johnson, I, listen, I'll, don't worry. I got it. I'll take care of it. It's okay. I got your I back, got you. dog. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Hold my beer. Um, hold my hat. Hold, no, yeah, hold my hat. Hold my hat. Yeah, the little <laughs> cowboy hat. 
Uh, all right, let's keep going here. On to the next episode where we join back up with our beloved Bad Batch as we catch Omega meditating something she learned from Gunji. And as if this character couldn't be loved by Megan even more... <laughs> She's out here <laughs> meditating. Megan, I saw your eyes were lighting up the moment oh that happened. Oh, my God. I gushed immediately. Yeah, yeah, so good. Uh, anyways, Echo tells her that if this squad hadn't found him, he'd still be stuck on Skako Minor. Rex calls them for a covert, covert data extraction on Coruscant. Worry of the Imperial presence on the planet, they cautiously make their approach. After introductions, Rex and Rio catch... Uh, Rio catch the clones up on the events of the previous episode. Rex asks them to retrieve the command log on on Rampart's Venator, which is currently being retrofitted at an Imperial shipyard. Omega stays with Senator Chuchi, who shows her the Senate chamber, and then has another conversation with Bail Organa, who introduces her to a former senator from Camino, Senator Halle Bertoni. He tells her to follow the money. It always leaves a trail. So she meets with Senator Bertoni, who at first claims that the situation is of no concern to her. But Omega shares her frustration with the Kaminoan senator. uh, And because of that, she agrees to testify at the vote the next day, as long as they can provide proof. Uh, So Omega seems to be killing it with the these ways that she keeps throughout this season, convincing people like the gangster in episode four, like with Malegi. And now here... And, you know, I know she's passionate. I know here she's she's frustrated with what's going on. And obviously that's going to kind of pull through in her conversation. But we've discussed this before. Do you think there's a possible connection to the living force? Do you think these are early foreshadowing signs of, you know, mild force mind control? Or do you think it's just Omega's overall confidence and, and attitude on the importance of life that's convincing these people? I could totally see her having this attachment to the force or this sense of the force without ever really knowing it. Because Mm -hmm. in that moment at the beginning when she's meditating, she says that it doesn't work for her the way that it does for Gunji. And I think that's just because she can't tap into it the way a Jedi does. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean she doesn't have access to Mm -hmm. it in her subconscious, I guess. So like she is persuading people in a way that, you know, it just seems like she gets what she wants, but there could be an underlying feeling that the opposing person has just by speaking to her, which is mm-hmm. like really magical and cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we saw it in the first season, and we're seeing it again this throughout this season that she is incredibly empathetic. Like that is mm-hmm. how she connects to people. And I'm not sure if she's maybe swaying their decisions. It's more that she understands exactly where they're coming from and knows what to say to 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 get in the right mindset and have those those paths align. It's, I wouldn't be surprised if they do reveal that she is Force-sensitive, but again, I, I feel like that reveal's got to come with something more being like, just because you're Force-sensitive doesn't mean you're, you're a Jedi, because that's what people a lot of people kind of equate Correct. to each other, but it, they are separate things. Like You can mm-hmm. be in tune with this greater Force, this living Force, without having touched a lightsaber or you know stood to defend defend the galaxy it's just it's about connecting and understanding and clearly she has that at her core well darcy you've mentioned before how you you kind of want star wars to explore the force outside of the jedi and you know we've already yes. seen it a little bit with like chirrut imwe and Baze malbus in rogue one or maz kanata in the force awakens these are force sensitive beings and i think yeah, for Omega to, to sort of fit into that would be really cool. I think the one way that they could possibly sort of change it up a little bit, you know, you mentioned the word, Megan, empathetic. 
I'm almost wondering if it, if there would be a way to sort of say like, you know how the Jedi were very much against like, you can't fall in love. Don't fall in love. Mm. Whereas Omega, that seems to be like a core thing for her. She just loves so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that's yeah. going to be, and I know it sounds super cheesy, but, but you know, Dave Filoni, if you hear this guy talk about these characters and this universe, it's like being at church. Like, I, there, he gave a speech <laughs> at, at Star Wars Celebration. I won't butcher it here. But he talks about, like, just how these characters, his, his love for them and, and how they work. And he talks so passionately about mm-hmm. kind of their stories. And, and at that point, I'm like, you know what? It's very possible he could be focusing on the idea that love is is the most powerful attribute to Omega's connection with the Force, and maybe that makes her uh, has have a stronger connection than any Jedi. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, she she has this idea or this ability to access her emotions in a, a positive and a productive way. Where you know the way we see Jedi uh, like cut themselves off from their emotions because it's too intense. Like mm-hmm. Anakin accesses his emotions but it it overcomes him whereas omega knows how to use it in a positive and affirming way even the moments when they introduce the bad batch to senator chuchi and she goes hi it's just like this (laughs) really adorable how can you not melt and let her in because Mm -hmm. she just has this way with emotion and this way with her empathetic feeling and energy it's it's really cool and I, I like you said I really hope they find a way to make her a force sensitive being without it becoming some sort of Jedi thing yeah yeah absolutely uh, so let's keep going here after a harrowing and nail-biting infiltration the Bad Batch and Rex managed to recover the command log and uh, they escape in an escape pod ejected from the ship crashing onto the ground far away from the parked Venator. With no time left they make their way to the Senate chamber where Senator Chuchi is stalling uh, the Senate as much as she possibly can by accusing Rampart of diverting military funds. She asserts that the Kaminoan facilities were intentionally eliminated and just when it seems time has run out, Omega brings them the command log and they play it in front of the entire Senate and in front of Omega as well. And we see Rampart's uh, Venator firing on Topoka City in this like giant, uh, biggest hologram I've ever seen in Star Wars. And I guess that's how they would do that at, at the, the Senate chamber. Um, now, among the cacophony of sound emerging from the other senators, a platform rises in the middle of the chamber. Standing in front of them all is Emperor Palpatine. He stands there menacingly as Masameda calls for the arrest of Admiral Rampart, who claims he was just following orders. Good soldiers follow orders. Uh, The Emperor says that the treachery will not go unpunished. But he also blames the clones for blindly following orders given by Rampart and suggests they move the bill forward anyways, ushering in a new era, one heralded by the Imperial Storm Trooper. So I got mad chills in this moment. Mm-hmm. I think we all did. What a moment here. Hearing him say Imperial Stormtrooper, this is going to be a soundbite that's going to be used in future Empire fan, like sort of like montages, like in Star Wars montages. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a soundbite. What did you think of seeing Emperor Palpatine himself showing up in this episode? Well, not only was that epic in the worst way 
<laughs> like in a really good way, but it was so terrifying to see mm-hmm. him present in that space looking like Darth Sidious. Um, it was so tragic to watch Omega have to watch her oh. city fall mm-hmm. again. I That was the part I focused on for a little bit. And then obviously once, you know, Palpatine got into rearranging that bill to work for himself. Unreal. Um, I also wondered earlier on when Rampart passes Chuchi and Omega standing right next to her with no face covering at all, <laughs> how would he not recognize her? Because I feel like he was very much a part of all of that. Have they crossed paths? Camino? I can't remember. I, I don't think they crossed paths. He, he was on Camino, but I don't think he was like she was ever at the forefront no? of the, the issue at that point. Have to go no. back. Yeah, I've yeah, because I'm wondering now. like <laughs> early episodes, she's with with Lama Sue. No, mm-hmm. yeah, she's with Lama Sue a lot, and I'm I'm sure you know or Nalase maybe. Yeah, Nalase. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Nalase is with Lama Sue, and then with you know talking yeah. to uh, all. The, I don't know. I feel like there's one Omega, moment. She- she was treated as kind of a secret project, though, like the way that she kept having saying sure. like, "Go hide away" or "Go go do this" type thing. I think yeah. it was kind of more like a well kept Kaminoan secret. So I wouldn't okay. be surprised if they never crossed paths. And I remember Lama Sue and Nalase having those conversations of like, "We can't let the higher ups know about this mistake or this moment, like this this thing that yeah. we've we've created." Um, I think that was okay. very secretive. So I don't think they did cross paths. Listen, if you're listening right now and you want to write in and let us know, <laughs> please do. Megan's got her own clone conspiracy it seems like um but uh i do want to just shout out kevin kiner uh one more time the music here is phenomenal so good it's so so interestingly enough batch fact it's not really a batch fact but (laughs) the music that's playing near the tail end when he says um you know he he says about the the usher in the imperial stormtrooper is the same music that's played at Padme's funeral. And so it, it's it's interesting because it's very fitting the the quote of that's kind of meme to death at this point, but the quote of so this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause. And when you sort of con- consider and take in both those situations of Padme said those words, this is the music that you heard that you know was at her funeral and it's just it's it's incredible. It's Whoa. just really really nuts to sort of when you start getting in deeper into the the way that they use the Star Wars music is just incredible because again we're seeing Palpatine manipulating the majority of the galaxy here and everyone's just like we are on Senator Chuchi's side. Palpatine's right. And it's just like no, like that's not that's not how this works. Um yeah. So I just wanted to shout that out because I as soon as I heard that I like instantly went on YouTube. I'm like funeral uh, Padme's funeral and then it was yeah that's the music it's crazy mm. now, before we go on any further too I still want to shout out just that whole escape or like heist secret sequence with them breaking into the venerator and, and getting out and all that stuff incredible bad batch action oh yeah you got, like they did it right perfectly and then yep. even with Tech's little one liner he's like oh I was off by 6.34 <laughs> meters <laughs> or whatever it was and it's just like that's exactly what I needed in this moment because we went to such a dark place the bad batch again brings us back back up a bit and put a smile on your face before taking you somewhere incredibly dark again. So it was yeah, kudos to that moment, at least. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, we're about to get to a moment 
<clears throat> that's uh, that's nice and sad. Uh, so let's keep going here. Um, so Palpatine was one step ahead of them yet again, and Chuchi claims she'll keep fighting for the rights of all clones. And Echo decides to leave Clone Force 99 to join Rex on his mission to rescue the other clone outcasts from around the galaxy. This causes Omega to become pretty upset, uh, but as she wipes her tears away, Echo tells her to keep an eye on his brothers. So I want to ask both of you, did you see this coming? Uh, because my first thought, you know, during my first watch through, I did not pick up on this. I've watched the episode a few times, but, you know, what do you think about Echo leaving Clone Force 99? And do you think he'll come back? I mean, it's I kind of had that an inclination as something like that maybe happening by the end of the season because throughout this season we've seen him mention how they should be fighting for something greater. There's a greater cause to be found, and now this episode was the one that brought that that specific cause for him to light, and it's liberating his brothers from now their presumed demise and decommissioning. I think again wasn't expecting it so soon, but it is entirely understandable as to why he made this choice and when. Like what? How this episode's events led up to him making that choice so so abruptly? It seems so. Yeah, de- definitely a heart wrenching moment oh. though, because that goodbye between them is just oh, <laughs> so like so I, sad. I literally can't even talk right now because I'm tearing up again <laughs> just thinking about it. Um, hearing, just hearing you say Nate that he asked her to keep an eye on his brothers makes mm-hmm. me cry. Right? Oh. It's just Ugh. there's and you know, keep practicing. Yeah, like, oh. it's interesting. Like I know we said we want to split the group up, but not like this. Not, not like, like this. this. Come on, Dave. What are you doing to us? Uh, there's a line from Rex earlier in the episode when they're in the middle of recovering the command log, where he says to Echo, "More and more of our brothers are waking up to what's been done to them. Helps hard to come by these days." And that was the exact line on my second watch through, where I was like, "Oh, that's it." That's where Echo knows that he wants to do even more. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, even with his argument with Hunter about how they could better use the resources from Dooku's treasure in episode in episode one in the premiere. You know, they've they've quietly been foreshadowing this moment for the entire season, like you've been saying, Darcy. Mm -hmm. Um, But, dude, I felt so much for little Omega here. She gets so upset and it reminded me of those moments Tell me if I'm crazy here, but those moments when you're a little kid and your parents are casually talking about plans like to cut a vacation short or to cut a visit short. And, you know, you're you're just something on the, you know, that that sort of sidelines you. You weren't expecting it. But because you're a kid, you're not part of the overall conversation. So you don't actually Mm -hmm. see what's going on around you when all the adults clearly do. That was kind of how I felt with Omega here, where like the Bad Batch they all had come to terms so quickly and so easily with that because they knew what was going on with Echo. They knew Mm -hmm. what was going on in his mind. And he may have even talked to them about it off screen, but not in front of Omega. So to see Omega get so sidelined by this, it just rips your heart out, dude. It's so... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hope I hope we see him again. I mean, I hope that the rest of this season will be the rest of the Bad Batch realizing that while it's great fending for themselves and being free, there is a greater cause. And maybe that that brings them back into, you know, Echo and Rex's paths because I, even Rex with the Bad Batch, he, he works them so well because he understands what they've been through and all that stuff. So I just give me more of them, please, because that's the heart of this show. And it's, oh, so, so good. So touching. So good. Well, and I, I really hope that Echo goes back to the Bad Batch because when we see old Whitebeard Rex in Rebels, 
Echo is not there. Yeah, right. So <laughs> very good point. Very good. Point. Please tell me he goes back to the Bad Batch and doesn't go yeah. anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he doesn't go AWOL with uh, with with Commander with Cody, Cody, who might also not be alive. And I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I really hope that they that they they get him back as soon as possible. Uh, and I'm sure Omega feels the same way. But listen, let's get to our overall thoughts and final score collectively. For both these episodes, even though I kind of feel like I know what it already is for both of you, um, <laughs> these two episodes, we're going to be rating them on a scale of one to five. And you have to say it in this way. You have to say Imperial Stormtroopers. You have to say it like that was my Palpatine, just in case you were wondering. That was a terrible That was, that was the best. Listen, if you can do better, I can't wait to hear it. Darcy, why don't you kick us off? Okay, well, I mean, like you said, you probably already know what my score is going to be, uh, especially that first, the first half of these two was just so good, so dark. And the, like you said, the fact that it didn't focus on the Bad Batch, it managed to still tell a really engaging story that when the Bad Batch was introduced in that second episode, it was, I was fully on board for, with their mission and trying to, I was really looking forward to seeing how it would play out with them. Again, the whole plan with Palpatine being ahead of them was nuts. All the Clone Wars references, everything about these two episodes is what I want from a Bad Batch. And I'm not sure, maybe maybe I've become more open to the Bad Batch after being disappointed in season one, but season two seems to be really delivering on a lot of the things I want from this show. So that was a strong five out of five Imperial Stormtroopers. Okay, that's pretty good. For that's me, because good. that was great. That was, that was so good. <laughs> I love that. I can't wait for the next two-parter, because if these two-parters keep up the trend, yeah. then I'm going to love the end of this the, season. The finale. Okay. Yeah. Megan, how about yourself, Brushstroke? Well, this was an incredibly beautifully animated episode. Beautifully lit. The visual development was unbelievable. It was emotional beyond belief both of these episodes in different ways were very emotional mm -hmm. <laughs> um there was so much story impact in the very in episode seven and in episode eight it, for totally different reasons to see the political side of the rights of clones was an amazing story point to bring up and to see the impact that that makes not only on the regs quote unquote but also on the bad batch and their journey forward from here um I, like you said there's so many clone wars callbacks so many characters that i know and love and i'm happy to have back on screen and uh I think it was like 10 minutes in that we saw Chuchi in episode seven and I already wrote my five out of five. So <laughs> I, I am giving these two episodes five out of five Imperial Stormtroopers. Oh, I liked it. I liked it. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I dug it. I yeah, it. that was good. Nasal, perfectly nasally. Yeah, you got to have a bit of that nasal. <laughs> I was trying to think of when he says, do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, these two episodes were very refreshing in the way that they weaved away from Clone Force 99 and then brought them in in the second half of this arc. I think the answers they found were were a, a little easy in the way that Rex just kind of shows up and, and then, you know, there's, there's just a backup of the command log and it was a little bit easy for them to retrieve it, even though it was exciting and it was a really great Bad Batch, you know, experience. Um, and it, it made for some some fun moments overall. But I think what I enjoyed the most with this was the the expansion of seeing how the galaxy reacts to these moments we've 
we've heard about the decommissioning of clones before in Star Wars, but to actually focus on the clones themselves, to see how they react and how the galaxy is so easily manipulated by Palpatine, which, you know, that, as a Star Wars geek, that's really rewarding to, to see. And it gave me similar feelings uh, to what Tony Gilroy is doing with Star Wars, you know, with, with Andor, where he's fleshing out the cultural impact on this world, utilizing parts of Star Wars and the story of Star Wars that we've grown to accept over the years. Um, and then showing us multiple sides of these moments so we can get those different perspectives was really, really great. I do wish we got a little bit more from Cade and Slip, um, but also showing their deaths while super sad really does add to the maturity and the gravity of this arc, so I can I can appreciate that. Overall, this is a really, really great arc that adds to the lore of Star Wars in a detailed way, and it sets up some interesting impl impl implications. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, it sets up some <laughs> interesting implications for the future for them to retroactively fix parts of Star Wars that didn't work for people in the subsequent trilogies, both before and after the OG trilogy. So I'm giving these two episodes. I was, you batches. I was at a 4.5, but guess what? We, we did we're it going again, back Darcy. up to a five out of five. <laughs> we're going to give it five out of five Imperial Stormtroopers. So much a little better? better than the first time. Okay. Yeah. See, much the thing is, is this is it's interesting too because there's the animated version of, of Palpatine which we just saw, but then there's also the version in the live action. I think that's what I was going for in the original one, where he's kind of a little older sounding and he's kind of weaker. He's mm. like Imperial Stormtrooper. Like he kind of has that sort of like weakness to him because he was all mm. electrocuted. But I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> that is it for this week's episode of Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2. We're at the halfway point, folks. We are halfway through this season. It feels like it's going no. by so quickly. It's crazy. I cannot believe we're already halfway through. Um, but we hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us where you like to listen to podcasts if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, listen. You don't have to raise suspicions about your boss only to get shot and then sadly still have all your brothers lose their jobs anyways. Instead, Darcy, can you let the batches know where they can reach us by hollow message? Okay, I'm just going to put, uh, put this out there first. So I'm too sad to be quippy right now, so they're just getting the links. So th yes. they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentric, at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. He's tearing up again, guys. He's tearing up. Yep, oh, my choking gosh. Up. Choke it up. Uh, don't worry. Omega's going to be fine. Uh, keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes uh, covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and uh, we've got some reviews out right now. And uh, if you enjoy interviews, uh, we have an interview that I've been talking about every week. If you haven't already watched it, what are you doing? Come on. Uh, I had the chance to sit down with D. Bradley Baker, the Bad Batch themselves. Uh, and uh, Justin sat down with uh, series writer Jennifer Corbett and supervising director Brad Rao. So again, subscribe here. Subscribe over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. You know, click the bell, write a review, give us five stars, whatever you got to do. We hope you've been enjoying this Watch Club so far. I know I have been enjoying I'm sure both of you have been enjoying this Watch mm -hmm. Club yes. mm -hmm. quite a bit uh, for this. Uh, you I can't think, tell by our ratings. Yeah, I think so far <laughs> I'm going to go on the record of thinking that this might be the superior season uh, of The Bad Batch so far. I don't know. It's mm -hmm. been a while since I've seen the first one, so maybe I got to rewatch. But um, but yes, just uh, sorry. But <laughs> but yes, Darcy, Megan, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, good, good soldiers. soldiers. 
Follow orders. orders.